Dropping the Gloves is a Web Canopy Studio production. Web Canopy Studio is a diamond HubSpot marketing agency from Traverse City, Michigan. We have helped everyone from John Scott to rapidly growing tech companies clarify their branding, scale their business, and create stunning website content. Today, we want to give all of John's listeners a free marketing template. Go ahead to go.webcanopystudio.com slash John. That's go.webcanopystudio.com slash John. With the classic commercial open. Refreshing. We are celebrating our 100,000 listens we got last week. And we're very, very, very appreciative of everybody listening to the podcast. So thank you. It's crazy. When we started, I was like, there's no way this is going to work. We did a couple. I'm like, this is definitely not going to work. And here we are. I don't know. Season two episode. Who cares? It's uh, it's going really good. Thank you, everybody, for the support. It's super, super fun, super cool, super just humbling how uh, how much you guys have listened. So thank you very much. But yes, what a week we've had. Holy moly. You ever have one of those weeks where it just goes by so fast and you wake up and you feel like you have a million things to do and then you go to bed and it's just like I didn't accomplish anything. And it's just like, what am I doing? I need to do work. And then the work is so intimidating, all the tasks. And they're all boring tasks. And you don't want to do them, but you have to do them. And it's just like pulling teeth to do the tasks. And it's, tasks is a very difficult word to say. Same tasks. I know. <laughs> very sibilant. <laughs> I'm just, I'm enunciating my words. So, hey, I'm just happy to be in the studio with Tim and Larry. It's always fun to come in here and just kind of decompress, talk about hockey, and just kind of, you know, rap a little bit. Talk about World War II and the Nazis. <laughs> it's just all great. It's all good stuff. Tim's shaking his head. <laughs> He'll never let live, that one go. Huh? Never live it down. Ever, ever, ever. So I guess I was um, I was in Halifax this past weekend for the Heart and Stroke uh, charity hockey tournament. It was uh, it was a good event. I've done a couple of their events in the past. There were some big hockey names there. Um, Darcy Tucker was there, and Patrice Breezebaugh and Wendell Clark, and lots of lots of Leafs players, just because it's out east and that's big time Leaf country. But it was fun. Weather was terrible. The people were nice, and it was a really really good tournament. I went four and zero, which is always fun when you do a, a little event. If you was win, there, was there a draft this time? There was a draft. Did you go first. I'm going to put an asterisk next to this because the first three picks I have already been drafted by. So they were like, we're not going to pick you again just because we want someone new. So I went number, I I don't know if I went four or five. So no, I did not go number one, two or three, which is a little bit of a hit to the ego. But like I said, there was an asterisk there. So I'm okay with it. But, you know, it was fun. I got to fly out with uh, Denny Savard and Eric Daze and Ally Afraidy. It was, it was a, you know, it was a good trip. Some big names there. And then John Scott. Former guests of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Who was that? Savard. Savard was yeah. a former guest of the podcast. He talked about knocking some guy out or <laughs> his tooth got lodged in his hand or something. I can't remember. What? <laughs> but anyway, so that's what I did. Then I get home and it's just like a complete, not a disaster, but there was lots of stuff to do. So when I got sent down, I don't know why I'm telling this story. When I got sent down, when I was playing from the NHL to the AHL, your health insurance gets messed up because you're still on NHL technically. Then there's an AHL health insurance. And then when I retired, no one knew which health insurance I was on because I retired from Montreal, but no one knew if I got sent down and then retired or what happened. And so all the health insurance companies were a little bit confused. So anyways, I had my twins right after that or during the all-star break. And so my twins were always in the doctors getting shots and appointments and checkups. That's what you do when you're, when you have a newborn. So I just got hit with a bunch of bills a week and a half ago from my doctor's office saying, Hey, yeah, this insurance company, they wanted a refund from all the stuff that your kids went through. 
and they just took the money back. And so you owe us like thousands of dollars. I'm just like, what on earth is happening? Like I had insurance. I probably had two insurances at the same time. How am I like getting stiff with this bill from 2016? And I don't know if you've ever dealt with insurance companies. You know as well as I do. It's just impossible to get someone on the phone. And once you do get them on the phone, it's impossible to get a straight answer. And I'm not – like I threw out all the stuff I had, like all my insurance numbers, my cards, just because I had moved on. And they're asking me like, what's your member number? What's your group number? When was the date of service? When was this? When of that? I'm like, I don't know any of this. I don't know. I had insurance. It was either from you, Edna, or you, Maritane. Someone was covering me. I'm not paying this bill. So I have the kids hospital calling me here saying, you owe us this money. Like, let's start a payment program. And I'm just like, I'm not paying that. And I'm calling these insurance companies and they're saying, well, we never got this claim until this date. We never got. So anyways, I know no one cares about my plight, but wait, but how long ago was this that? It happened in February, February, 2016 was a date of service and it is 2019. (laughs) That's insane. Is it 2019? (laughs) It is 2019. I'm just like double checking. I'm not, it's three years later Uh and I'm just like, what? Like I'm not paying any of these bills. So either you're going to have to eat it (laughs) or figure it out because I've moved on. My kids are three. So I don't know. Question, John. Do you ever uh, like name drop yourself? Let them know who they're talking to. Like as a, as, a, as a celebrity, as a famous person, you kind of say, "Listen, just so you know, I'm John Scott." No, no. But funny story. When we were playing, we would want reservations at restaurants, and it was always a question of like, okay, so do we call and say, "Hey, I play for the Hawks, or I play for the Sharks, or I play for the Coyotes." Can you get us a table? Or do you call and say, hey, this is make up a name from the Hawks. Can you get some of our players a table? Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if we've – that's always – that was always a question because when it's like Friday afternoon and you want to get a restaurant reservation, and I I don't think I ever did it. I don't know if my wife did it for me before. I can't remember. But, yeah, it was always one of those things. It's like, do you really – drop your name and try to get into a restaurant when I don't was, know. Was there a teammate that used the perks of being a famous athlete more than anybody else mm. when it came to stuff like that? Oh yeah. Like for <laughs> sure there was like guys would drop the NHL card all the time. I just, it was usually the There's single guys. actual card they give you, right? There is. <laughs> Wait, really? There is an actual card that has your name on it and it says NHL and it has your team and the year and you could use that card to get into any hockey game or because some rinks you would have to go through security like um, the forum in L.A. Or no, what is it? The Staples Center? I don't know. The Staples Center. So they would make you show you that card to go through security. They'd wand you down and stuff. But, yeah, no, some guys for sure would show it at like restaurants or clubs or bars. out, And like mm. that would be their like golden ticket. So do you still yeah. have one? I have them all in yeah. my uh, dresser drawer somewhere. I never used mine. I was always too embarrassed to be like, hey, man. <laughs> I'm just going to borrow Ever heard it? of me? Larry is talking, I'm, yeah, I'm everybody. Sorry, I love it. <laughs> Larry's had a cool is let it happen, but you, you acknowledge this, so now we can talk about no, it. No, he's Welcome, had a couple Larry. beers. It's Welcome great. It's fantastic. It's the IPAs talking for him. <laughs> this is brought to you by Two-Hearted Ale. Bell's Two-Hearted Ale from Comstock, Michigan. If you've never tried it, you should. It's delicious, delicious beer. Larry was just talking. They asked me if I've started training for my Ironman, which is happening in the end of August. So what's that? Four months away. And the answer is an overwhelming no. I have not done anything yet. I had good intentions for April. And I think I went on my rowing machine three to four times, but it did not um, amount to anything. So Larry's a big mountain biker and Tim just bought a mountain bike. So we're going to start a mountain biking group i think we're gonna hit the trails get some climbs in I yeah he says he knows the trails like the back of his hand so i think we're in good hands and you know, I, i'm expecting the text larry it's happening all right we'll see it well i'll believe it when i see it is that the old saying is that how it goes pretty much i feel like i'm just not even recording a podcast we're just we're hanging just, out we're just riffing <laughs> three buds talking about nazis <laughs> it's nice and if they actually existed Tim? You know that's not what I <laughs> said. Why don't we talk about some hockey, Jim? Oh, there is a playoffs okay. happening. Larry's like, I'm leaving. Right, I'm gonna, <laughs> bye, guys. <laughs> so it's round two. There's, it's, you know, 
it's a very interesting round two, and I and I called it. I don't know if it was last podcast or the one prior where it's not. The teams don't have the the names, the 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 power. Like I need to watch this game. It's going to be L.A. Chicago or Rangers Boston or Toronto Montreal. They don't have that historical name. And I haven't tuned in to the Carolina Islanders series that much because it's just, it's Carolina Islanders. I'm not very interested in it. I've watched the Bruins Columbus series just because it's a very physical, it's a good series back and forth. But yeah, I don't know. Carol, Carolina's winning. 3 nothing right now. And game four is in Carolina tomorrow night. What is happening with the NHL where the like Hurricanes, it. you like it. I like it. Why do you like it? It's not the, the same old names as, as other years, right? It's not like, oh, here's Pittsburgh and Washington in the semifinals again. Or here's like the Sharks and the and the Kings or the Sharks and the the Blackhawks. You know, it's, it's it's different names. It's good. It's good for hockey. I don't like it. I don't think it's good for hockey. I think it's bad for hockey. I don't know anybody outside of North Carolina that wants to watch the Carolina Hurricanes play. And their story is unbelievable. They have slayed the dragon in the first round, and now they're just walking through the Islanders, and they should be getting more press than they are, but I think the fact that they're in Carolina and they don't have a legitimate superstar to hang their hat on, they don't even have a... I guess Sebastian Ajo would be a somewhat... He's pretty sick. ...budding superstar, but they just don't have that it factor that a lot of the other teams, even the Islanders have it with their coach. So even like they have Barzell or Barzal, Barzal. who was rookie of the year last year and he, he's got the flash. I think the hurricanes just play a good, they're out playing the Islanders at their own game. They're playing a team game and they're just kind of beating them to every loose puck and out playing them. It's bizarre. I'm just saying that I haven't watched a minute of the all three games, but I'm just assuming that's what they're doing. It just seems like, yeah, I mean, last night I think it was five to two. Justin Williams scored, of course. Obviously. You was, know, it, not gonna, yeah. was it game seven? No, it was no, only game, it was game three. three. But three nothing. So they're locked in to the conference final. They're, they're in. They're going to play the Bruins or Columbus. What's that series? 2-1 Columbus. Not looking great for the Bruins right now. I think the Bruins are fine. They're getting outplayed. Their goalie is getting outplayed. I don't think they are getting outplayed. I think Bobrovsky is just... He's unbelievable. He stole one game and he kept them in the other game. You watch the games, you get a sense of, like, as a Bruins fan, like, you're not getting anything past this guy. No. I mean, you're going to have some ugly bounce. You're not going to beat him clean. You're just not. And then when you play a goalie like that, when that goalie is locked in in the zone as the opposing team... Everything has to go to the net. Every single puck goes to the net. You're not looking for grade A chances. You're not holding on to the puck, trying to backdoor them. Everything goes to the net. Like you said, you want to bank it off someone's shin pad. You want it to go off the backboards for an empty netter. You want some kind of balance to hopefully rattle this goalie because right now he is seeing every puck. He has no rebounds whatsoever. He's like a sticky where the puck just sticks to him. So you need to do something, and that all that is is just get traffic, get the pucks to the pucks to the net. It's it's not rocket science. When you meet up a hot goalie, you get guys to the net, and you just fire it from everywhere. That's always what I've been taught, and it works every single time. So that's what they need to do. And I'm sure Cassidy's just saying that to his team: go to the net, Chara bombs away. Let's go throw throw the pucks at the net, and we'll, we'll get some ugly, ugly goals. Turn the series around. Most of the goals in the series for the Bruins have been ugly. That's what you need to do when the goalie is hot like this, like, like you said. Um, but man, it's just, it's, it's, you watch it, you're like, nothing's getting past this guys. They got to be frustrated. Yeah, it is. You know, it's one of those things you want to have a goalie playing that well in front of you in the Columbus. That's why they're excelling so much. They have so much confidence. They're not worried about like the interview we just did with Cam Jansen, who I think we'll play that after the fact, after this little snippet, but you want that goalie to have that confidence because your team, you stop playing scared. You, you're not trying to make, and you're not playing scared, and I mean that like you're not worried if I make a mistake, the puck's going to end up in the back of my net. I knew when I was coming as a defenseman, if I had a two-on-one or a three-on-two coming down on me, I could give up 
the shot from the the hash marks, not the hash marks, the uh, the the dot in the circle. I knew my goalie was going to say that, but I've, I was playing in front of a goalie who was not confident, was letting in kind of junky goals. I would be so worried about giving up a shot. That's when you give up the back door. That's when you give up these easy goals because you're trying to overplay the shot and you're not just playing the position, you how you're supposed to play it. So I know Columbus definitely playing with a lot of confidence. They have a good team. They're grooving right now. Torts has got to be happy. I think the Bruins will take the next game in Columbus. I hope so. I hope so too. I want the Bruins to win as much as I have bad blood with them. I really, really like that team. I love Bergevin. You know, I, I just hope they win. Yeah, I mean, think about think about what, like, Bettman thinks about, or, you know, the league. All right, we got Columbus and Carolina oh. in the Eastern Conference Finals. Click, turn the TV off. Yeah, God. Zero, probably God, that. the bottom five TV markets in the whole NHL. Seriously. Columbus, Carolina, and on, on the other side, St. Louis is a good market, but they're not, you know burning down the the ratings in st louis you want you want san jose who is and then dallas i guess is not much better either man what is happening in nhl these days i mean if it's if it's san jose st louis boston and carolina it's really the best the league can hope for right now they want a san jose bruins final Sure. I want a San Jose Bruins final. That's a win-win for me because obviously I want the Bruins to win, but if Thornton wins, man, I I will love that. Imagine that. Yeah. Ugh. How old Thornton and Chara will be facing off each, against each other. Is there anyone in the league who deserves a cup more than Thornton right now? Is well, there- Patty Marlowe would be the other option, but I yeah. think those two guys definitely are the top two. And how upset is Patty Marlowe? I know we touched on it before. If the Sharks do win the cup, oh, <laughs> ouchie. Yeah. Poor guy. But anyway, so we, we were just flipping around series. One thing that popped out was this Lindell kid. Yeah. God. Flopping all the time. And what for those. <laughs> yeah, just diving. For those of you who are not up with what's happening in the St. Louis Dallas series. So there's this kid, young kid. I don't know his first name. Olas or it's, it's a strange first name. He's from Finland. Anyway, there's a sequence where he and Robert Bortuzzo are battling along the boards and Bortuzzo was just, you know, playing the puck, playing the man. And he gives him a little shot and Lindell goes down like he's being thrown down by the incredible Hulk. And he looks over at the ref and Bortuzzo looks at the ref and the ref's just like, no, like, come on, keep playing. Like, let's be men here. And he gets up and he does the same thing again, where Bortuzzo just plays him normal, gives him a little shot on the hips and he goes down again. Like he got shot. And he again, looks at the ref, no call, Gets up again, and Bortuzzo by this time is doing the the diving signal. He's like, you're diving. It's embarrassing. Let's go. Dives for a third time. Three times. In a row. And I'm just, I'm just, I I just don't know what to think anymore. Sounds I mean, a little NBA related. Larry's yeah, back. <laughs> well, you hate to see it. You also, especially in the playoffs. Oh. Like, man, this, this is not the time to pull that kind of crap, right? You, you want to be like battling and... Man, it's just not it's not good for the league. I feel like if you want to get rid of these types of plays, I know when I played, when they would call someone for an embellishment, they wouldn't call it a dive. It would be embellishment. They would also take the person who, like, just say Lindell did get a penalty for embellishment. They would take Bortuzzo for cross-checking. They did. They It'd be a match, which I don't think should be the case. They should take the person who's embellishing and not the person who is whatever it is, tripping, slashing, cross-checking. They, they shouldn't take both of them. Or if they do, the person who embellishes should get four minutes. I feel like this is one of these penalties that everyone who sees it hates it. And it's embarrassing to the game. Hockey was built on the idea of being tougher than the average person, being able to persevere through adversity, I don't know. I, I think all of the pump-up videos for playoffs, it's like, oh, he broke his leg and finished his shift. He lost four teeth and came back the next shift. He played through this injury. He played through that injury. The highlights aren't some thin diving three times in a row when you barely get touched. That's not 
our game. It's not the NHL. It's not how it should be. So I think they should crack down on this before it gets out of hand. I don't know. I, I watch soccer now. I watch basketball now. Like Larry said, it's, it's tough to watch basketball. Every time down the floor, it's like a whistle and, and foul shots. It's just like, what is happening? It's, it's so it's tough to watch. And Larry's super tough. He gets it. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. And I, I'm not saying I'm like Mr. Tough Guy, but man, oh, man. Like, come on, Lindell. Like, so let's just have a little respect for yourself. It's just it's not the spirit of hockey to me. It's about, I don't know. You're, you're a tough guy. You play hockey. You take a hit. You don't cry. You don't be like, oh, that one hurt. Actually, sir, over here. Yeah. Oh, that one hurt real bad. I know. <laughs> no. Yeah. You don't try to act like you got hit. I don't know. I would never, ever want to get knocked to the ice. That was my thing. No one's going to knock me to the ice just because you don't want someone to know they're stronger and tougher than you are. I don't know how you can get it in your head and be like, I'm going to fall down as much as I can. And hopefully we'll get a power play out of this. But you said, Tim, it cost him the game, right? It did. Yeah. Poetic justice, right? Later in the game, I think it was overtime. Uh, Lindell's got him, Patrick Maroon in front of the net. Maroon shoves him down. No call because the refs aren't, they're not giving him any benefit of a doubt anymore. Maroon scores and uh, Lindell goes home crying. And it's funny, refs are, they're not, they're smart people. They see what you're doing. Yeah. And then probably Maroon did give him a shot and deserve a penalty. But guess what? You've made your bed, buddy boy. Right. You're in the bed with all the other divers. You're not going to get that call. If Lindell didn't dive, he gets that call. He probably got that call. Yep. But no, he tried to play it up earlier in the game. And guess what? Now you're down. Now it's 2-2. I was going to ask you about that. Like when there's when there's those kind of scrums in the corner, guys are shoving maybe a little extracurricular activities and that kind of stuff. What kind of communication is there in the moment from refs where they're saying like, all right, that's enough, John. Don't do that again. Or is it, you know, free play? Like what what, what do they say? I've always had good relationships with the refs. And they always, they, they always told me like, easy, Johnny. Like easy, easy. Like that's enough. And you can hear them. Like they're right behind you or very yeah. close. And so, you know, you let let off a little bit. And it's just a little respect that they have because they don't want to take you to the penalty box. They don't want to call a penalty. They they love five on five. It's easier for them to do a five on five game. This like no whistles. Let's get this game going. So I'm sure they have certain players that they don't like and they call penalties on them probably faster than other players. I know refs. My thing was they would just give me a 10 if the game got down to the end and they knew a fight was brewing. They just kicked me out of the game. That happened lots of times where I would just get 10 minutes. So no, the refs were usually pretty cool. They, they knew who dove and who kind of embellished and, you know, they just let those guys get beat up. I've had refs legit say like, you know, go for it. Like bury this guy. (laughs) Yeah. Because they don't like certain players. So, so Tim had a good question for you. We were going to do like a 21 questions. And I, this is a question that I'm super interested in. It's like, what are some of the funniest things you've heard from a ref? The funniest things I've heard from a ref are great. You know, best interactions with refs on the ice. I remember the one time that it was a fun, the Phil Kessel incident was one of the better interactions I've had with a ref. So everyone knows that where I kind of, for some reason, went after Phil and kind of whatever, whatever. And so I get piled on by all these players and refs and I'm at the bottom of this pile. There must've been at least five, as many as eight guys on top of me. And I want to get out because I hear the crowd going crazy. And I'm just like, I'm trying to get out to do something. And so I start screaming, I'm bleeding. My wrist is bleeding. I got cut. And the ref's on top of me. And he he whispers in my ear. He's like, everyone knows you're not bleeding, John. You're not going anywhere. I'm like, all right, you embellishing. I was, well, I was just trying to get in the action. And there is, you know, what's funny about that? The refs did have a a GoPro on their helmet Mm -hmm. during that game. So I would love to see that footage. That would be so interesting. Has that not been released anywhere? I have not seen it anywhere. I'm sure I would have if it would have been released. But yeah, I have not seen that footage. They were experimenting with the GoPros on the refs' uh, heads. Because that was preseason, right? It was preseason. Did you have any kind of like relationship with refs, like after hockey or buddy buddy? Were you still talk to any of them or no, no, never. You, you you knew a handful of their names, but like it's not like I ever saw them outside of the rink or even before the games. You just before the games, you go, hey, 
whatever your name is. How's it going? There probably has to be that separation, right? Yeah. You got to keep it professional. They know their job. And we like, it's, it's a competitive game. Like things happen where you're going to be screaming at each other eventually. So they were mostly nice about it, but there were some who were just, it's usually the younger guys who you didn't really get along with. The older guys were a little more trying to make a name for themselves. Yeah. Call, call everything by the book. And it's just, come on, man. Right. You got to know the flow of the game. Like you can't call the game by the rule book or you'll ruin a game. Did you guys ever like pay attention to who was reffing the game that night? Get a sense of like, okay, here's how it's going to go. Or the, maybe the coaches follow that. Oh no, for sure. You know, if you get an older ref, like you can do whatever you want. Like there's going to be probably three, maybe four penalties. And it's just like, it's going to be a good game. But if you get a young ref who's one, two years into the league, it's a totally different game. You prepare for it differently. I know you can't have scrums after the whistle. You can't face wash guys. You can't like stick or talk or chirp. You you can't do any of those things because that ref will start throwing guys in the box. So, you know, you, you, you check the names. They have the pregame, whatever lineups and the refs are always on there. So yeah, they affect the game more than people know. So, John, I want to just uh, change gears a little bit. Oh, change the gears, baby, like we're mountain biking. (laughs) Oh, now I'm interested. Um, So, you asked on Twitter the other day, you know, we're recording with Cam, and we talked about, um, we'll get him on the show in a few minutes, talking about some fighting. And uh, we asked, like, what questions do we talk about? What what do you guys want to know about fighters and everything? And uh, one of our users, Lanny2929, asked, who's the one guy you always wanted to fight that would never drop the gloves with you? I would say... It would be Zidane Ochara. Ooh. Just because he was... I fought a guy his height in the AHL, Mitch Fritz, who we should get on the show. He said he would want to go on the show for sure. I don't know him. Yeah, he's he was, he played for the Islanders for uh, a cup of coffee. Big, big guy. His hands were like bigger than this computer. Like massive. Remember yeah. Boris Valabic? Oh, I fought him too. Did you? Yeah. He was one of the biggest... Um, I'm going to choose my words correctly here. Losers. Really? I've ever played against. Like personality-wise? Just all around a terrible, terrible person. Uh. I remember I I fought him in Chicago, and I did not like him so much. I punched him up against his bench, and one of his teammates opened the door on the bench, and I dragged him into his bench, and I'm like giving him the business on his bench while his teammates are like, nice. And they just watched it? They watched the carnage because he was just – he was so hated – he just had one of those faces and one of those attitudes where he was too good. He was a first round draft pick to Atlanta. Was he? And he just was like, he thought he was too good to be in the AHL. And then he thought he was too good for everyone. And man, everyone just disliked that guy. He didn't have much of a career in any. I can't believe you just brought that random name up. (laughs) Well, I think about the guys that are like six, you know, 10, basically he's a huge guy. Yeah. He was like six, seven. Yeah. But now I I think Chara would be the guy I've, I've always asked him. He always kind of politely declined. He's like, I play 45 minutes a game and you play three. So it's not worth worth it. Yeah. You go back to the bench, John. I'm like, okay, I get it. What other, uh, like Lucic, do you ever go with him? He would, again, another guy who I would ask and when I played Boston, I, I beat up Sean fairly good that one time. And then after that, none of their guys would, you know, right. give me the time of day. I mean, Thornton's a good fighter. He's a tough guy, but he's also like 5'10", you know. They he's probably 6'1". So like he's probably 6'1", but um, never been knocked out before me. You, seen, you know, he feet. beat up um, Bugard and all those other guys. Whatever, you know, who's counting? But, yeah, after that fight, I, I got that punch in on him and he went down and was out for a month and a half. None of those guys uh, wanted to fight. So whatever, you know, it is what it is. Okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, I've only had two of these too hard. I feel fine. I was saying though, that's a running joke on the podcast is whenever you stop and go, to take a big John's deep breath. Breathe. Oh man. For anybody who's had a broken nose, and can't breathe out of their nose. I feel for you because I literally, I have a, the smallest nasal passage in my nose where every night it gets clogged up with some kind of boogie or something. And I have to do a farmer's blow or oh, no. go to the bathroom. And my nose is bleeding. I'm just like every single night. I, I can't have a solid sleep because of my nose. I need to get it fixed again. I've had it fixed once. I need to do it again. So if you're a plastic surgeon and you do pro bono work, let me know. I'm your guy. 
It's funny you mentioned that. I was going to ask you about your nasal passage, so I'm glad you mentioned <laughs> Tim, it. Tim, yeah. you know who had a strange nasal passage I heard was um, Adolf Hitler. <laughs> I heard if it he was, even exists. If he was even a person. <laughs> Tim thinks he's still alive, living in Colombia. He told me that last week. Argentina, and no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I think we've talked enough, let's, you guys. Let's get Cam on the show here. All right, yeah, Cam wants to get on. Or oh, we've already done the interview. Who are we kidding? I've already alluded to it. <laughs> it was funny last time. Yeah, we oh, we taped Cam earlier. So, yeah, Cam Jansen is going to come up next, everybody. Pretty interesting guy. Um, anyways, thank you for uh, watching another episode of Dropping the Gloves with John Scott. Yeah, and I'm really impressed that people were able to watch it, too. Thank you for listening to another episode of Dropping the Gloves with John Scott. Peace. Cam? Yo. Cam Jansen, everybody. Whoa. What's up? This is John Scott. What's going on, big boy? Not much, buddy. How are you? Doing well, man. Busy with the blues. It's raining for the past four days here. I'm probably going to get flooded in my subdivision. Um, other than that, I'm doing great. Nice. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll just get going right away. No, no need to, uh, I don't want to take up much of your important time. I know you're a busy guy. I'm very important. Very important, John. You know that. I know. So listen, I did a little research on you before we did this and I, and I saw your spit and chicklets performance and I just, I just want to say we keep it a little more PG on dropping the gloves, my friend. So we'll, uh, I figured that I, I could be a good boy. I'm dynamic. I know. I never swore on the ice. I'm trying to carry that into my podcasting life. <laughs> Are you serious though? You have it. You don't, you, you don't do you? Well, I don't try. I try Pretty discipline. I am a disciplined guy. It was funny. One story I like, I used to swear a lot. Then the camera zoomed in on me one day on the ice during the game. And I was just like probably screaming at you or somebody. And I was just like, blah, 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 blah. My wife's like, yeah, the kids were watching that game. So that's enough. And they zoomed right in on me. I was like, okay, I'm going to have to watch that. So now I'm yeah, like, that'll do it. No swearing. So what, what's going on, man? How are you doing? I'm all right, dude. I'm all right. You know, the, you know, the trans, the transformation after hockey, uh, was, uh, was actually somewhat graceful with me. Unlike a lot of other guys that kind of have to figure out what they want to do and what their next skill set is. You know, you, you play hockey, you know, you play hockey your whole life and all, all of a sudden it's over and you're like, okay, my money, I'm spending money. I'm not making any money. What am I good at? What do I do? And for me, uh, it was actually, it kind of just fell into my lap. I was, I, I signed another two years over in, in England, which the money wasn't great. And it was fun over there. And I fought a lot. And I'm like, okay. And I kind of just went over there just to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. Give me a little bit of time, you know, experience England and Britain and uh, the historical aspects of it because I'm a history nut. Um, so that part was fine. But then you're like, okay, what now? So I had all these uh, actually uh, radio stations in St. Louis get a hold of me. Oh, nice. And uh, asked me to come out and, 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 and try out and do this stuff. And I got a bunch of job offers. So I'm like, okay, I'm done. Now I know what I want to do. That's huge. Radio. And of course. Yeah, and radio could lead into so many things. Like, I have my show, but then I do there's so many different options that people could pay you to be a part of. You know, pregame stuff, to this, to that, to podcast, whatever the case is. So, it has its tentacles, but uh, being on the radio, it's, it's an absolute blast. And I, I got lucky. I got lucky that it kind of fell in my lap like that. Well, good for you, man. So, you're a history buff, you said. Well, don't, you know, don't quiz me or anything, no. but I like to think so. What's, do you, do you follow much World War II? Yeah, I like, I like, I like the, the World Wars. I mean, you know, I like the history of it and it's interesting, but I like medieval history more than anything. Oh. I love castles. I love, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do like that old school stuff. Um, very, very interested in that. And then when I was over in England, it was awesome, man. Like, you know, remember when you're playing in American League and I don't know how much you played in American League. You probably didn't play too much, but. If you did, you're, you know, you're going from town to town in the East Coast. You're going to Springfield, Massachusetts to, to Binghamton. And you're like, oh, cool, yay. But over in Europe, you're, like, you're, you're driving past castles in the distance on a cliff that's looking over this beautiful countryside. And you look up on your phone like, what the hell was that? Let me look at that <laughs> castle. And you kind of read up the history on it. It was really cool. And the Brits over there were so fun. The guys on the team over there were such a blast. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, it's it was a it was fun. I probably broke even by the end of it, like money wise, 
which is never a good thing. But uh, it would, the experience was great, and I got to see a bunch of castles and, and cool stuff like that. Yeah, that's cool. People don't realize in the AHL, it's uh, it's so 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 tough. The hotels, the cities, the travel. The best, the best part about the NHL, honestly, the hockey's not that different. Like the first two lines are obviously better, but the big difference is the private planes, the five star hotels, the sick restaurants you get to go eat at, the way they treat you. It's all the extraneous stuff. It's not like the actual hockey because that that you can do anywhere. It's it's just the extra stuff that I thought was a huge difference from the AHL to the NHL. It's crazy. Well, yeah. And you're relevant, you know, like your buddies back home are like, well, I could see you every day playing for the devils and the blues and they're coming to games. And it seems like once you're in American leagues, like everybody forgets about you. They forget about you unless you knock somebody out or you, you get a suspension and you're, you know, you, it's just, you're just not relevant. And for guys like us, like, you know, fighting in front of like 20,000 people, I'm like, yeah, I'll do anything. I'll fight any, but once you go and there's 400 people in the stand on a Sunday afternoon, after you had two games beforehand and your knuckles are all bloodied up, you're like, Oh, Oh, cool! I got to fight this twenty-year-old kid that, you know, six foot five. I have no idea what what punch he is, if he's a lefty or righty. It just it stresses you out, man. Oh, like, it's it honestly the worst. Stresses you out. I, I know. It's awful. It's tough to get up for a game in Rochester in the middle of February when, yeah, there's like forty-five oh. people in the crowd, and the, this young kid's like, "We're gonna go tonight." I'm like, "Why are we going tonight? No one's gonna watch us. No like, doubt. what's the point of this no. at all?" But I tell you, you, you probably did this too, though. Like. You know, you're an older guy. I'd, I'd go in the back of the bus and I'd have my lounge, you know. Like, I'd put the cooler there. I'd have this. All the older guys back there. So, like, you can make it comfortable um, because you're a veteran. But some of these guys, like, we were doubled up from, from you know, half the bus was doubled up. And it's just like, oh, God, seven hours here, seven hours there. It's like, no, thank you. No, thank you. It's I'm painful. Done. I know. I, I almost stuck around after the whole all-star debacle, but then I just thought I'll probably be in the A. I'll be busting around everywhere. It'll just be complete disaster. So I just like, let's just get rid of it. Let's go. It's time because I didn't want to go through it's that done. again. It, oh, it was done. No, you made, you made money. You ended on an awesome note. It was cool as all hell. I mean, different, unique, you know, funny. You know, like you, you ended on a great note. Why, why play more and have some kid catch you with one right. and all of a sudden set you back and you can't leave your room because you're spinning for two months straight. Like no way. Like, I know. No, no, not worth it, dude. So when I, you, you ended on, you rode off into the sunset, dude. I know. Well, thank you, Kim. I appreciate that. So I do some events these days and I get asked a lot, who was my toughest fight? And I was in about 100 so fights, 120 in my career. Not too many, not as many as you. But I always say Cam Jansen. I'm not, I'm not just saying this. I always say Cam because you were the smallest guy I ever fought. And you were one of those guys who would just like, all right, let, let me punch. And I would punch myself out. And it would be so frustrating to fight you because I never thought I did any damage. And we must have fought four or five, six times. I don't know. And it was just every time I'm like, does he feel any punches when I punch him or is it just like, am I punching helmet or air? You were the hardest and most frustrating guy to fight. It was so, so obnoxious. It will, what was your strategy going into fighting me? Cause I had a foot on you, I think. Yeah, no, I, I had to have a strategy, Donnie, dude. Like you, you have to, man. Like I'm five eleven. I can't just go in there and just start trading or else you're going to get caught. Like you have to have a style. You have to have a strategy. And I just, I needed to get my grip on you. And I needed to get, and I'll go, and I'll lock out with you, even though you're 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 a foot taller than me. I was like, okay, I'll eat some off the side of the head, I'll eat some off the top of the head, but he's gonna overthrow, and I'm gonna catch him. He's gonna overthrow, and then I get my rhythm. So you throw one, and I kind of duck out of it, and I throw. And maybe I wouldn't hit you the first time, but we get that rhythm going back and forth. I'll try to catch you that way. So I'm not eating these punches square in the face. Um, sometimes you do. Sometimes you go black, and you have to reset while you're standing up. And I don't know if you've ever been through this too. It's like, I, I, I was, I kind of, I was able to train myself to be able to get caught with one. And you know how you go black and you're like, okay, where am I? And then you're still standing. Most people will just drop. Most people will drop to the ground when they don't know where they're at. When they get caught with one, they'll drop. Cause that's a natural reaction. I kind of trained myself over the years. So when you get hit like that, you kind of, okay. Okay. I'd be like, okay, Cam, you're in a fight. Okay, there's crowd. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm still standing. All right, let's go. Let's go. And you just, you have to like start from scratch in the middle of a fight, knowing 
um, that you guys kind of got set back with a punch, but I was able to do that. And I think a lot of boxers and MMA guys are able to do that as well, where you know what you're caught, you don't know where you're at, but you figure it out quick without falling. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, totally. That's in, I've, I've been caught only a handful of times. And yeah, the first time you do get caught, it's like, whoa. And then you learn, you learn to adapt and like, okay, I didn't get knocked out. I'm still here. Let's just no, move on good. from it. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. No, it was I, always fun fighting. I saw, you, man. The one, I saw the one fight though. It was a weird one with you, uh, you and Colton Orr. Oh yeah. And he gut punched you. Yeah. What, what did he hit you? Did he hit you in a kidney? Right in the stomach. Do you know when you get the air wind knocked out of you? That's what happened. Oh, so God, yeah. the wind got knocked out of me. I dropped to my knees and I was like, I couldn't breathe for 10, 15 seconds. And obviously he punches me in the face again when I'm on my knees. I'm just like, come on, man, I'm already done. <laughs> but yeah, that was the only time the him and Justin Johnson were the only two who got the better of me. I thought so. Yeah. I, oh, I yeah, never, I never thought I would get, you know, dropped with a, a stomach shot, but it happened. Yeah, it was very random. Yeah, he throws hard, man. Yeah. He throws hard. He, he's a really good – I don't know if you had him on yet, but he's a great guy. But he was bad to the bone, dude. He, or he was bad to the bone. I know. He threw down the pipe, and he hit you, and he did damage, and he knocked a lot of guys out. And he got knocked out quite a bit too yeah. at the end of his career because he's so opened up. But he was one of the – He, I, I did fear him. Like, there wasn't many guys I was like, ah. But, I, but when I knew I had to play Orzy, which was all the damn time, I, I, it was a long pregame. Actually, I didn't even sleep. Like those are the games that you know your pregame nap. You're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs. Like, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do against them? Okay, don't get knocked out. Don't embarrass yourself in front of your family. You know, you're, 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 you or whatever the case is. Like you just you just overthink it a little bit. But yeah, he worried me a little bit, man. Like one of the few guys that I was kind of like, oh god. Oh yeah, like, he, awesome guy. He's got that lights out power. That one punch power. And yeah, you, he made me nervous too, but he's a cool guy. I agree. I agree. I always heard he had like a metal plate in his hand for some reason that he, I know, I know. I like Wolverine. Yeah. Like he broke you know, his no hand wonder. younger and he had like a metal plate inserted. I don't know if that's, I should have asked him, but I don't know if that's true or not. But anyways, I, I think it is because he's so tough, <laughs> but anyways. felt like he did. I'll tell you that. I know. So wh- how are the blues? You're, you're following them now. They are just like on a roll. What what's uh what do you think? What's their what's their machismo? How do they, how are they doing what they're doing? Well, uh, let me give you the, the background story on what, what happened this year, which is very very interesting and historic nonetheless. They over the summer, you know, we didn't make the playoffs last year, and look, the, the city's got a cult following. St. Louis, I'm from here. I was born and raised here. Played for the Blues and all that stuff. But this city, they love the Blues. Obviously, we've never won a Stanley Cup. And it's been 50 years, and people here are going nuts. At the beginning of the year, Doug Armstrong, the GM for the Blues, signed all these guys, got rid of the guys that we needed to get rid of. They're kind of anchored. Patrick Bergwin, love them to death. Vladimir Saboka, love them to death. But they just they just weren't cutting it anymore. And so they made all these moves, and Doug Armstrong was pumped up. The city was buzzing everywhere. Everybody was jacked up. And then the boys start playing, and they were <laughs> lost little puppy dogs. Oh, it was so they bad. They were lost, Johnny. It was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. They, from top to bottom, besides one person, Ryan O'Reilly, who was consistent the whole time. And, uh, you know, we spin up to the cap. We're in a small market. Tom Stillman, our owner, spins up to the cap. He's one of the best owners in sports, in my opinion. He loves the Blues. And it just wasn't working. And it was god-awful. And being on radio, having to critique these guys every single day, going to the gas station, talking to people, asking me, what's going on, Kim? I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it was the most blatant, bad mistakes, one after another, after another, just confused. Goaltending was bad. And then we fired Mike Yo. Craig Berube came in and started settling things down. And it didn't work right off the bat. Usually, you know, Johnny, when you get a new coach, yeah. everything, you get that initial spark and you get some, no, that didn't happen with Berube. It's still, we, it was still kind of up and down, but you could see a little bit of progression. And then Jordan Bennington came into play. Then Jordan Bennington, and that was by default too, by the way. He was bounced around. He was in the coast. They loaned him out to Boston because last year we didn't have an affiliate, so guys were scattered all over the American League. It was a disaster, and Jordan wasn't getting reps and things like that. Billy Huso, our number three goalie, got injured, and then uh, Chad Johnson got traded out because he wasn't doing anything. Jake Allen was not stopping a puck, and so Bennington comes in, and it all turned around, and you know this. You don't know what kind of team you have until you get decent goaltending. And then you can pick apart what you need to work on. But if they're letting in crap left and right, you don't even know what kind of team you have because you're just not getting them with saves that you need and nothing's flowing. 
But once Jordan Bennington came in, turned everything around, 11-game winning streak, and we never looked back. And then you're and, off, and off you much, go. And then off you go. And then we went in the playoffs, and we beat the Winnipeg Jets, who I thought was probably one of the better teams in, 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 in the playoffs. Oh, I picked in my Winnipeg opinion, to win big. the Cup, yeah. I know. We and, and I couldn't believe it. And we found a way dramatically to win some games, and uh, we beat them in the first round, and now we're sitting – Tied two to two against the Dallas Stars. Although last night was a bad game by the boys, and uh, they're going to have to definitely regroup and and figure out how to tighten up that neutral zone because the big boys on Dallas kicked our ass last well, night. Well, yeah, Dallas has a strong team, and I'm surprised by both of you guys. But it's funny. I, every year I've picked the Blues to win the Stanley Cup for the last like three or four years, just because every time I went into St. Louis. It was the hardest place to play. Once you guys got rolling, once you got that four check going, it is so hard. It felt like the ice was tilted towards our end. And it was just like, I remember in Chicago, it was just like, oh, we got to go to St. Louis. Here we go again. And it was just such a tough, tough place to play. And I'm, I'm happy that you guys finally are doing well because I love the way that St. Louis always builds their team. They always start with physical players. They don't shy away from that type of game. It's not this new style of like toe dragging and speed and no defense. It's just a very old school, bring your lunch pail, let's go to work. And I love that style of play. You know what I mean? So I absolutely love it. And, it, and that kind of style works. Just ask the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I would, they, you can compare it to maybe like the 2000 New Jersey Devils that just shut you down, slapped you in the face, Got great goaltending, bored you to death at times, but just hemmed you in and wore your ass out. And to a point where it's very frustrating, you're chasing them. You're just chasing them. And that's, that's the kind of style that Craig Brewery's implementing uh, with this team. I will say this, though. Yeah, second round, that's fine. Great. Whatever. We, we, need, a, we need to win a cup here. Yeah, you do. We need. I agree. To, we have kids coming out. we got kids in St. Louis coming out of the woodworks, <laughs> making the NHL. you got so many. I mean, the, the youth hockey in St. Louis is gigantic. And these kids are sick, and they're building these multi-million-dollar rinks all over the place. The boys need to win the cup. Here. I think but next the, year. The sad thing is, next year is your year. I think uh, San Jose is going to win it this year. I, I hate to, I hate to break it to you, but Jumbo's going to raise it to the rafters. Might be right. That's my pick. I would love to see St. Louis and San Jose in the conference final. That'd be unreal. But I, hey, my my horse is Jumbo. I got to stick with them. But hey, if it's going to be anybody but San Jose. I hope it's the Blues because I always picked you guys. I always did. Yeah, San Jose's—they're rock solid right now. And oh they, my gosh! And they're—they're—they're they're, they're fighting for their captain. And now Carlson's playing better. But I wanted to finish up with this though. So for some odd reason, the Stanley Cup came into St. Louis, and it's like making a tour. And it's like the weirdest thing in the world. We're like, well, why? Why is it here? I'm like, why, why is it here? And it's not like it's going to like, you know, schools for kids to see. It's going to all these like radio stations where like we're grown men that like, you know, are on the radio talking sports are like slobbering all over the damn thing. And it's like, get that thing out of here until it's necessary. <laughs> oh, it's, it's the worst thing in the world. Like, what are you, what is going on here? I know. It's so, so I don't know funny. if that's going to jinx us or not. It's just superstition. You know how it goes. The and players, people yeah. Say, well, it doesn't matter. Well, it kind of matters. Get that, get that thing out of you here. You don't want the bad mojo. So you mentioned the Bruins series. No. What, what do you think of Marshawn's little sucker punch in the back of the head? What's your thoughts on that? As soon as I saw it, I was like, you know what? That wouldn't happen if Columbus had a legit tough guy. If they even had Dalton Prout in the lineup or someone who could address it, there's no way Marshawn does that. Like, what what do you think of that kind of stuff? I I think he would have done it anyway because of the end of the game. And what do you, what's Dalton Prowl going to do? Is he going to jump him? And then that's in your, then you're feeding right into what he wants. I what know. are you going to do next game? Is Dalton Prowl, are you going to jump him? And then what? Get two, five, and 10? Like, okay. I know. So I think he would do that. I don't, was it that big of a deal? No. no. Was it gutless? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I just feel like, I remember when I was playing with Chicago and Rafi Torres ran Seabrook and I got inserted into lineup the next oh. game and I was like, jackpot. So I like had my way with Torres the whole game, spear and slash and punch in the face. And finally I was like, Rafi, I'm going to jump you. Get ready. And the ref threw us out before I had a chance to jump him. As soon as the game got to like, we were up by three, the ref's like, see you later. I'm not going to let this get out of hand. But yeah, 
it's that just was smart on their part. I know, but I just see stuff like that. I'm like, come on, Marshawn, you're so like he's such a good player. Why do you have to do that stuff? And I just I know when I played against Boston, he was like a church boy. He didn't do any of that jazz. He was just so well behaved. Because I beat up Thornton, I would ask Char to fight every game. Lucic, I would ask him to go all the time. I just he doesn't have that fear factor anymore. I just I don't know. I think the lead lead. He does. He- he doesn't, and you're right. And he, and you know what? He, I don't. He doesn't have to do that. Like he doesn't no. have to do that. He's a hundred point guy. Don't, you don't. He's a hundred point guy. <sighs> and you know what? He's frustrating with his, he's frustrated with his, his his own play, and that's the kind of stuff he wants to do. But but Marcy, Blunchies, go hit some guys. I go know. hit some guys. Go have a hit parade. You play 22 minutes a night. You can line somebody up. You're strong. You don't need to punch a guy in the back of that. It just it makes you look bad. It does. It kind of makes the NHL look bad. It's just like you don't need to do that to get your point across. And so I won't give him that. Like, don't it, it just it just looks bad as a whole. Was it that big of a deal? No. no. Was it suspendable? No. It happens but every scrum. He look yeah. like a, a. He just looks like he just looks bad doing it, man. So it's like somebody might take, give him a talking to. I'm telling you what, Felino might grab him. He's still a tough kid on that team. I love the way that dude plays. That dude, oh, yeah. he's, a, he's, a, he's a great captain. Oh, he's a warrior. He's dude. a legit guy warrior. who I would follow into a battle because he does everything. And yep. I, I played with his brother, and those two guys are very, very, very good. Just good, good human beings all around. So, I, yeah, I would love his to play for that awesome guy. dad's awesome, too, by the way. Yeah. His well, dad coached me in, in dirt. Oh, great. Always smiling. Always happy. Just a cool cat. Makes you Makes you like going to the rink, you know? Like that goes a long way, man. When your assistant coach is always happy and jumping, when he bags you after practice, you're like, yeah, okay, man, I'll work for you. Yeah, what's up? What do you got? <laughs> it does you make know? a big deal. Rather than some like guy who's always pissed off all the time, you're like, you know what? I don't want to skate right now. <laughs> exactly. Someone who doesn't yeah. get it. But hey, Cam, thanks, man. I loved it. I, I'm no so problem, impressed buddy. by how articulate you are. How talkative. Funny how that works. I always thought you were just this guy on steroids who wanted to fight me all the time. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I take that as a compliment. I got shot <laughs> for being on steroids since I was like 12 years old. I hit puberty at a young age, and I'm so jacked. It is what it is. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, well, hopefully I get to meet you in person one day. We can have a drink and uh, have a couple conversations. You're a good, good guy, Cam. Thanks for being on. Appreciate it, buddy. All I'll right. get you. I'll get you to come on my uh, radio show soon, here, buddy. Absolutely. Good luck with the Blues. Hopefully, we yeah, uh, you guys get the wins going here. All right, Cam Jansen, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, bud. See All you, right, buddy. Cam. See you, man. Cheers. Cheers.